We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Actually, let me correct myself. Rasby is officially off the tour. I don't feel safe because I feel like Chris Stokes is around. So guess what? I'm off the tour. Good luck to everybody. No disrespect to Amari uh, because he's my brother. Amari, if you come talk to me and you want me to do this tour, I'll do this tour, but I'm officially off the tour. Okay? Oh, and guess what? I guess we're about to sh- uh, shoot the new uh, Surviving Chris Stokes movie, right? So, Leo, yo, Ricky Rowe, call Lifetime because I'm ready to talk. Before you guys listen to another episode of The Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash the corner podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month, you guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way, we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale, live from Dallas. Big fight week over there. He's been there all week. Some great interviews. We're going to talk to him about that in a second. 
But first, I wanted to, I was going to start the podcast off with bad news, Dre. I was going to start it off with heartbreak and me crying my eyes out a couple days ago. But instead, I saw your timeline and you gave me a little ray of hope. The Avengers trailer came out today. Yeah. I hope it's four hours. Anything less than four hours, I might be upset. Yo, it's one of those movies that I think we're all like, yo, it doesn't matter how long it is. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. Yo, in any of you DC fanboys out there to say that the DC movies are better than the Marvel films, y'all gotta shut up. <laughs> and they just, are out there. They're really out there. And it's just, it's not true. Like, there's no comparison between any of the Avengers movies and Justice League. There's, if you want to use the Dark Knight series, okay, you can use that. But I think Captain America's been pretty damn good. Winter Soldier and Civil War, the first Avenger was, eh, whatever. But... The other two, phenomenal. Thor Ragnarok, unbelievable. Ant-Man and the Wasp and Ant-Man, both great films. Obviously, Black Panther, Oscar nominated. Y'all got to chill, man. This Avengers Endgame, that's what I've been waiting for. And I haven't had a chance to see Captain Marvel yet. Uh, I'm going to try to get some, uh, some downtime here in Dallas, hopefully, after the weigh-ins tomorrow, because I need to see Captain Marvel. But come on, guys. This Aven- Avengers Endgame trailer... I'm so ready. I, I, yo, I'll be at the theater all day. If that should, if it was like, yo, runtime <laughs> is 12 hours, like like one hour, I just treat it like an episodic series. 12 one-hour episodes, all right, cool. I'll sit through it. I'm ready. I might run it back to back. I might go to one joint, do the old school, run across the theater, hop into a different, different movie joint, sit down, watch it again. Yo, I mean, it, it's... Pull the look, switcheroo. The... Uh, when Infinity War came out, I saw it. I had an advanced screening of it. And then, you know, I got home. I told my wife, I was like, yo, you got to see this. And my wife's not, like, super huge in the Marvel. But, she, you know, she's seen, like, a few of the Iron Man films. So I had to take a crash course through every single Marvel movie. We skipped, oh, like, man. two. <laughs> like, I had to skip two. And then the next day, she was like, all right, I'm ready to go see Infinity War. And then we went and saw it. And she was like, I was watching her watch it, which was the best part, because she was stressed out the entire movie. <laughs> Nah, so, that's dope. I mean, that's 20 films, by the way, but that's dope. Yeah, like, they were, like you know, she hadn't seen Civil War. She hadn't seen the second, second Avengers movie. She had, like, there was a couple that we skipped, like the first story. I was like, you don't really need to see that. But no. we, I, made, I made sure she watched Ragnarok. I made sure she watched Winter Soldier. Um, Is the first I, story the worst Marvel movie? Mm, yes. Yeah, it has to be. I, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't really care for, like, the first Thor movie. I was just like, whatever. Yeah, I didn't like dark, Captain but, America either. Yeah, like both of those were like, they were cool, but whatever. I, I wasn't, they, they weren't, and you know, she didn't see, um, no, oh. she saw Spider-Man Homecoming after. Iron Man but, 2 wasn't good either. I mean, I mean, it was, yeah, again, it was, it was cool, but you know, <laughs> obviously she saw Black Panther. It's like, she watched all them films, but then, then when you go, you have a certain attachment to these characters. Yeah. And. Like this Avengers Endgame, like now we got to take bets, man. Like who's biting it? It seems like it seems like Captain America's got to go. Cap got to go. Stark probably getting bodied. Uh, Ronan, he's out of here. Uh, what I mean, else? obviously, you know, Spider Man has to live because he's got a movie coming out in a few weeks. So <laughs> Spider Man, Black Panther's gonna come back somehow. Uh, yeah. Ant Man can't get killed off. No, I don't think so. I don't think Thor's so, too strong. Captain Marvel just got here. And next week, I mean, you got to, you know, catch up after the fights to watch Captain Marvel and you see what you think about it. 
I have my opinion on it. So, you know, it, it is. I, I'll save it for next week. But Captain Marvel was there. It gave us a nice little teaser at the end of it. Um, nothing huge or major, but it, it was cool. And now we're ready for Endgame. So I watched that trailer and then seeing them all walk together with the suits at the yeah. end. I was like, oh, some shit's about to go down. See, April's a very stressful month for me because Game of Thrones also comes out, the final season. Have you watched Game of Thrones? I have not watched Game of Thrones. Someone sent me this chart of how to get through the entire series in a week. I think it's like four hours a day. I mean, you have to watch it. Like, there are very few shows that I tell people, like, you have to see it. Because there's, there's people that say... Yo, I don't, I don't like dragons and castles. Don't fucking worry about that. Well, I'm a huge Harry right? Potter fan. Like, I love super mythical type stuff. Like, it, this, this is right up my alley. Yeah, so how did you not watch this year? What's wrong with you? I got on too late. I'm that guy. Like, if, if everyone's on it and it's season three, it's hard for me to, to binge and jump on it. I got to wait for it all to finish, and then let me just binge and get through the whole series. Nah, you can't, you can't do that. Like, with, with Game of Thrones, you can't do that with this. Because I, it's, it is, I would say, listen, you, if y'all know, I, like, I watch a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> a lot of stuff. So, like, The Wire is my favorite series, hands down. But this has now become a close second in Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. This, this shit? This shit? Oh, over Man. The Sopranos? Yes. And I love The Sopranos. And I just rewatched the entire series. Yeah. I love The Sopranos. But Game of Thrones, because what happens is, I mean, I'm not giving you any spoilers. And hopefully you've avoided as much as you could. But you watch it. Like, I'm on my second run through of Game of Thrones because I have to get there before the season starts. <laughs> when you watch it a second time, and anybody who's done this knows exactly what I'm talking about. It, it's one of those second viewings that it becomes a completely different experience than when you first watched it, especially the first season. Because, like, you watch it and you're like, all right, cool. Because, again, no spoilers, but you're just kind of you're watching the show as it unfolds. But once you get through it, you start going, oh, shit. And you watch it again? A lot of stuff that didn't make sense makes sense. And, and, and the things that you didn't pay attention to become extraordinarily important. And for, for George Martin, who wrote the books, to have a series that came to life in this manner and to d- deliver this level of stress to the viewer, it would, like, it's, it's Avengers Infinity War every season. Every mm. season is like the Infinity War. It's so much stress watching this show. You have to watch Game of Thrones. I got, H- I got HBO. I might as well just throw it on and get into it. Sorry, I'm just I, I got a month, you said? Yeah, you got about, I think, what was it? Third, I can get through it in a month. You, darn, it's only, was it, six seasons? Uh, you, you can get That's through. That's not bad. I mean, I just watched the entire Umbrella Academy in a day and a half. See, I haven't watched that yet. Oh, it's dope. Like, I was like, hooked. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was dope. Like, on some X-Men type shit. Like, I just, you know, I finally got through Punisher because I was watching that and The Sopranos at the same time. And then I've been watching Game of Thrones. And, and I got to watch Friends with College. And it's just a lot of shit I need to watch. <laughs> but... Game of Thrones is like, dog, you have to watch it. Yeah, that Friends with College show is actually kind of dope. I have to like pay attention to it. Elena watches it. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Don't watch Game of Thrones if you're doing other shit. No, like that's my pet peeve in life. Like that's, That is her MO. She'll clean. She'll do dishes. She'll have it. And that's how she powers through all these series because she watches a ton of them. 
But when, like, she was going through The Sopranos, because she hadn't seen it, and she was going through the whole thing, I was like, yo, you can't, like, miss this. Or, like, she'll hear something and run out. I was like, it's the small dialogue that's kind of dope. Yeah. It's those, like, little hidden things when it's not necessarily a ton of action that mean a lot to the series. So, no, I'm, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to really watch it. You know, maybe I'll write a little bit while it's on, but now I'm going to try to pay attention the whole time. I got a month. I might as well. I'm into dragons and, and weird stuff. Let's see. Let's see how it is. Um, so that this was the joyous portion to open the show. What broke my heart, Dre? <sighs> my Giants traded Odell Beckham. What are y'all doing? Steal phrase to steal phrase from my my good good friend in my head, Seth Rollins. We gotta burn it down. Yeah, but you burned down the wrong one. No, Eli's still there. No, yeah, no, Eli's gone. Don't don't worry about it. Eli's there for a year. We're eating that money anyway. Now it becomes, do you throw your rookie quarterback in day one? Or do you throw him in week six? Right? So, cool. Eli's there. Eli's also there to ensure we're not overly good this year. So he's going to suck. He's going to struggle. We will start off one and seven. Then he will be benched. And at max, we can win five games. Possibly for putting us in the position to have another top five pick next year. So keeping Eli is smart. If you're truly burning it down, this guy can't win more than six games. We've seen that. At one point, he won only two in a season. So he's not going to win us games. He's the safe pick. The, the wrong pick is if we, for some reason, go up, grab Kyler Murray or we get Haskins, and they turn out to be Patrick Mahomes out the gate, and we somehow luck into six wins, seven wins. That's a brick. We don't want to do that yet. So we want to ensure that we kind of lose. So that's why Eli's there. His money's there anyway, whatever. By next year, when it counts, he's gone. But I understand if the team looks at it, and OBJ, it was a good move for him. The team, the team in my mind, whatever they might have thought of their reasons for doing it, they did right by him because we're not going to contend for five years. He would have wasted his prime with us. The, the young QB would have helped him a little bit. We would have had to get the ball to OBJ. That's fine. It would have been a great. I mean, you never lose a receiver like that and say it's a great, a good thing. But for OBJ, he's going to a situation now where he could win. He can propel them through the playoffs. That's a dangerous offense. He will be happy. Now, by the time we want to contend, our oldest key player is Saquon. He's going to be 26 in five years. I'm all right with that. It's kind of like the Rams blueprint. So if we go out and get Judy from Alabama as a top five pick next year as a receiver, I'm straight. Like that's that's a 20-year-old receiver to go with a quarterback we draft this year and Saquon last year. I, I, I think I think I'm okay with it now. I was crying earlier in the week. Now I'm okay with it. But it's also because I do this in Madden all the time. Oh God. Dre, I do it every time. I, I trade all my doing, man? I trade all my vets stockpile like seven first round draft picks and wheel and deal and i just got tons of people on rookie deals for like five years to the point where like if i get a pick 20th pick overall in the first round and i already had five first rounders i'm trading that one for a future one and a two or a future one and a three and i'm maneuvering and i'm i'm clearing cap signing some free agents just to trade them away i'm wheeling dealing i'm the mad gm so you traded Odell Beckham Jr.? 
No, he's the only one I keep. I keep I keep him <laughs> and Saquon, like because I'm not dumb, but I understand what they're doing. I mean, I, I've I've rationalized what they're doing. At uh, first, I was pissed, right? I was pissed. He's 26. He's the a top three receiver in the league. But at this point, Eli can't throw from me to you. On a good day, granted you're in Dallas, but when you when we're face to face, he can't. He couldn't hit you with a pass in the chest. You'd be reaching for a pass. So what are we doing? We we've lost. With Odell for three years now. We haven't made the playoffs since 2012, 11. Something stupid. No, we made the playoffs once since 2011. And Odell decided to go on a on a, a yacht with Trey Songs. Mm-hmm. And it jinxed us for life. And so now it's like, yo, we're not winning with him. We got first round picks. Kids we don't have to pay. We're going to get a quarterback who is on a rookie contract. The biggest thing is with Gettleman, like, yo, you're an idiot. You don't know how to balance egos. Your ego's too big. That's fine. Draft well. Last year's draft, okay with me. He didn't miss in last year's draft, in my opinion. Now we're at a start. We got extra draft picks this year. That's fine, my man. Don't miss. Get in people the NFL, who are going but to But the contribute. NFL draft is the one place where nothing is for sure. It's not nothing. the NBA draft. Nothing. But I like Will Hernandez from last year. I love the Saquon pick over the QBs. I, I like what he did. Third round picks. Lorenzo Carter, he's now going to start for us at outside backer. I thought he was a problem at Georgia, athletically. On that defense, that, that led him to the national championship. So I like that pick. I mean, I, I'm not mad at any of the picks he had last year. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Go out there, get us a QB, get us a right tackle, get us a D end. We're fine. Three, those three first picks... There were two first rounders and the early second rounder. Those three positions, and I'm like, my man, I see, I see the plan. Well, I'm gonna put it like this: in real simple terms, y'all saw what the Steelers did and said, "Hold my beer," right? At least we y'all, got more than that. Yeah, like, but um, you know, you said, "Hold my beer," because you got a guy who wanted to be a giant for life, mm-hmm. and is now, and you got rid of him. Correct. And for, two, two yeah, in a week for all purposes, we got rid of Landon Collins. Let him yeah, go. so it's like, so the hall, you know, the hall looks okay. If you draft right, it looks fine if you draft right. But here's my issue, my biggest issue with this trade. Y'all putting a lot of weight on Saquon Barkley right now. A ton. For, and, for a year or two, a ton. Yeah, and that's a lot of weight for, a young, for his young legs to carry. Because, I mean, yeah, y'all, who, who'd y'all get? Golden Tate? Y'all got Golden Tate? Today? Yeah, yeah. He's just, like, you know, that, that stop guy. It's not like, yeah. oh, we're replacing Odell. It's like, yeah, we needed a receiver at this point. Like, have you seen the depth chart? We need somebody. So, you know, but the, the weight on, on Saquon is that means, you know, you got to keep this man healthy for the next four years, right? And so yeah. that, that's the danger to me because, like, But yeah, it's the Todd Gurley effect, right? Todd Gurley, they – effectively, the Rams did the exact same thing, except they were smart enough to keep Aaron Donald. Yeah, Outside I mean, of that, everybody they, else was out, and they They didn't house. have an Odell Beckham, though. <laughs> no, they had Aaron Donald, who got drafted two picks after Odell in the same draft. And – Came through, they re-signed him, just like we re-signed Odell last year, but they didn't trade him. They kept him. Um, oh, wow. But, yeah, which, which is dumb. We could have done it with Odell. That would have been perfect. They didn't want to. We got a hit on these picks. We do. Yeah, yeah. It, it's cool. But for a year, we're going to be worse than your Niners. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we got Jimmy Jean. We didn't pick up anybody. But then the other thing, y'all in New York, man, so – now, y'all got to deal with the Jets probably being better than the Giants for yeah, the next couple well, of years. Well, the Jets are still the Jets. I got to see this, it first. This, 
I got to build the Jets. I, I got to see you know, it first. <laughs> you know, we got to see what Le'Veon does, and you know, there and Sam Don, yeah. whatever. I've but, seen two championships in my lifetime. My Yankees are going to win it for me this year. I I got patience, man. Well, Yankees aren't winning this year, but go for it. Trey, why are you always ruining my hype? I'm sorry. Your, your, yeah. your life's goal is to crush my dreams, Trey. No, it's my life's goal is to crush a lot of dreams. Yeah, it is. If we're yeah. winning it this year, let me rock. I'm going to go back home for the parade. It's going to be brick cold. We're good. All right, good luck. The parade you. should be the same week as MSG show for UFC. So I can do it all in one week. I got it timed. It's, it's planned down to the T. All right. We'll revisit this come October. Yes, we, we, we definitely will. It's not breaking my heart. Um, the other thing real quick before we get to boxing and we get into the stuff uh, we're supposed to be talking about, Spence, Garcia, all that good stuff, great fight weekend. I wanted to say that you were right about something. And someone made it very clear on Twitter and they brought it to my attention. I was like, damn it, he strikes again. B2K... Has broken up. <laughs> they lasted two shows. Ooh, two boy. shows of the tour. And they're broken up. Dog. It was so funny because I watched, like, it, it was, as that news was getting out, was with, with the Watson boys on the, uh, the Watson brothers, if, if, the, if y'all know, the two twins. I was on the, I was on the, the bus with, uh, right with Mikey Garcia back from the press conference yesterday. And I forgot which one. He was like, yo, you see this? And he's talking to somebody else. And I looked and I was like, oh, I was correct. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, dog, that shit was never going to last. <laughs> two, like, right? two shows. No, it was, it was never going to last. Omarion didn't need it. Jay Boog and Fizz needed it. Raz B is a wild card. And I said he was a wild card from the jump. A man who was accused, your former manager, of playing with your booty hole is not just going to jump back in on tour and be like, this is cool. That's well, not, just, well you would just think the only thing you have to do is keep the manager away that played with his booty hole. But you can't, it's Chris Stokes, man. Like, I mean, you're accusing him. But again, I don't, I don't know what well, happened. Allegedly. Yeah, you know, allegedly this happened. But the fact that you've alleged it, do you mean that you're, you're going to be on the road with these guys? There's not going to be any friction? Because it's not like, I'm trying to think of like a super duper group where everybody gets their own dressing room. It's not even, not even the Jacksons with that level. It was like Michael got in his dressing room and that was it. Like if Michael and Janet were on tour, then you all have your own separate dressing rooms and your own your own tour buses and you do your thing. No. Omarion's the big star of the group. Everybody else rides together. So if Raz B has to see those guys and they have any conversation about the past, it's going to come up. So two shows in, he's out. Big shock. Damn, it happened so fast, man. But it's cool. You know why? Because as long as Pretty Ricky's together, they still got a tour. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts, too. Yeah, it's not looking good. But, like, hey, thankfully, I don't get to go to any of the shows because I would have been disappointed. Because the way that they fall, like, Arizona's the day before my wedding. I think LA's the day after. So it's like, okay. It skipped over Vegas, and I, I don't get to see it. All right, whatever. I got to catch the next tour if there is one. It won't be. It could. Like, if they're giving Omarion all the dough, I don't see why he's not doing it. He got to take, like, a 60-40 split. Like, the other guys have to take, what, 10-10-10, Omarion gets the rest. Yeah, because it's really, there's no, again, it's the Jacksons touring without Michael. Like, who wants to see that shit? Yeah. But I like, really just, I'd be there just for Pretty Ricky. Uh, I think Chingy's on the tour. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a crazy tour. But I was like, damn it, Dre was right. They broke up already. 
And the first, the second thing that came to my mind is, is Rasby next to get the documentary deal? No. Because as soon as he left, I was like, oh, he brought it back up. Chris Stokes again. That was a high profile thing. Is he the next guy? Is this the next documentary we see at Sundance next year? Nah, he's too much of a loose cannon. Rasby is too much of a loose cannon to even consider making a documentary. Somebody from the outside would have to get that done. No, of Somebody course. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, but I'm saying, is he like the next person to stand up and be like, okay, I'll do it? Nah, I don't think so. Because, see, it's, you know, Michael Jackson, R. Kelly. And it's funny, man. Like, real quick, because, you know, I had this, I, I was on Facebook and I was just like watching people still defend R. Kelly and saying Harvey Weinstein doesn't get the attention that R. Kelly got. And I'm like, Y'all are wrong because <laughs> R. Kelly lives in your scope, us as African-Americans. And because he's been front and center to us for so long, we think the rest of the world is keenly aware of what R. Kelly's been doing for almost 30 fucking years, which is not true. There's a lot of white people I know is like, he did what? That's like, how he got away with it. Right. That's what I'm saying. It was, he did this to little black girls who is not really important in, in the mainstream America. So R. Kelly got away with this for 30 years. Harvey Weinstein, I wouldn't say he got away with this for 30 years. Harvey Weinstein's the linchpin of the Me Too movement. So it's like to say that R. Kelly's getting more attention than Harvey Weinstein, considering that Harvey Weinstein, not that it makes it any better, but considering that Harvey Weinstein wasn't pissing on little girls, I would say that R. Kelly's getting his fair share of scrutiny for what he has done. Yeah, I, I, it's fair to say that there's levels to this shit. Like, there, there's levels. levels to being a horrible human being. Hein, Weinstein is like, eh. Maybe level seven? Or yeah, Kelly's at like level 10. Yeah, dog. Or, like between that and the interview, for like the interview with Gail, <laughs> Gail King, <laughs> like, I don't, like, listen, man, I don't know who R. Kelly's legal team is. I don't know who his publicist is. The publicist not- is the black dude who was doing his makeup after he was crying. But I'm, I'm just talking about over the years between the Tory interview and this interview. And then when they put the girls up there with Gail King. That was even worse. You had an angry black girl who's 20 and was just... Like, the first thing she says was, yeah, we've been with R. Kelly since 17. What the fuck? Oh, don't do it. <laughs> in, in the previous interview, R. Kelly's like, I never had sex with an underage girl. Yeah. That's mm, not but, we, but you were married to Aaliyah. Hmm. Yeah. And you, you want me to believe that you didn't... What's consenting sex? age in Chicago? That's, See, that's his only saving grace. And I believe it's 17... But the thing is, is like, stop still, lying. Still creepy. Yeah, it just, just stop lying. Like, you, you're a sick individual. And you doing these interviews doesn't help you any. The SNL skit was fantastic. Oh, incredible. But, <laughs> incredible. That so, shit had so, me dying. So all that to say that Raz B is like, it's one guy. Like, if Marcus Houston or like little, little Romeo, or not little Romeo, Romeo or anybody from Immature or IMX, whatever the fuck you want to call them, if they start saying Chris Stokes did shit, then you might have a documentary on your hands. But why Rasby isn't enough to make a Chris Stokes documentary. Yeah. I, I, I ever call Marcus Houston Batman. Well, yeah. <laughs> but nah, none of them are really seeing it. I mean, but who knows? That's, it seems to be some money there. Again, it's the wave right now. It's the cancel culture. It, it went to, you know, I was diddled when I was a little boy. And there's a platform now for these people to speak. Um, and we'll see. We'll see. Right? Wrong? Could be lies? Could be real? Who knows? But I feel like this is the beginning of a wave, at least for a year-long wave, of these guys who have been accused to be exposed in these documentaries. It really comes down to how well the documentaries are done. 
Yeah. And I still say that Michael Jackson one was extremely poor. Yeah. Again, I don't want to get too far into it, but it's just like... As just a, as a journalist, right? It was, it was yeah, poor. As a journalist, you know, if I come into, you know, and offer a story to the, to the newspaper or whoever that I'm writing for, and my editor's just like, so you got the opinion of these two guys that said that they did something with Michael Jackson. I'm like, yeah. Where's your sources? And I don't have any. Because they don't. Like, the documentary is just two guys. There's really, like, the parents who were just like, yeah, we think, but there's nobody, there's no security. It's not like R. Kelly, where his team was like, yeah, R. Kelly was great. <laughs> yeah. But it was just those two boys. And, and, and it's not to say that Michael Jackson did or didn't do it. I just don't have enough yeah. to, for me to, to feel comfortable saying it either way. Also, I want a lot of y'all to think about this. What these two did, Wade and the other guy, is called perjury. They went on the stand and said Michael Jackson did nothing. And they come out with a documentary. So if Michael Jackson's legal team were to say, oh, we need to pursue them for perjury and put them in jail, because that is a crime that is punishable by law, I would like to see if both of them stand by their stories. Yeah, that'd be some shit. There's no statute of limitations to that. On uh, perjury, it's a tough one. Yeah, man. I don't know if there is for perjury because it's nah, yeah, it's a whole different level of shit. Like if you lie to the courts, I think it stands. Yeah, so a lot of people didn't think about this, but it, it was one of the things that I sat there and I was like, "Yo, they lied on the stand." So if I'm the uh, legal team, also your like, wife being a yeah a lawyer helps. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's like because I asked her and I was like, "Yo, if you is there a statute of limitations?" She's like, "It depends," but she's like, "I don't think so, not for that." So it, I, I'm curious. If are you because you already lied, so now which lie do you want to stick to, the one that gets justice and sends you to the jailhouse, or the one that keeps you out of the out of jail and may or may not be a lie? How strongly do you feel about Michael Jackson that he, what he did was wrong? Are you willing to go to jail because you lied in the first place? And understandably, I, I you know I get it. Like some people, they feel pressure, they're brainwashed, what have you. But you lied on the stand. And if, if the Jackson estate wants to pursue this, they can. They can discredit all of this by saying you lied. Okay, you want to stick with that? Send your ass to the big house. See how much you want to do it. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm just curious. I'm not saying that they did. Again, I don't know if Michael Jackson did or he didn't. But I'm saying this, this, there's a lot here. I'm not. I, it's a lot to unpack one way or another. So hey, five years statute of limitations on perjury. Yeah. Well, again, well, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> so they, they can they can lie lie as much as they want, I guess. And that's in California, though. Who knows how long it is other places? That's I, what I'm saying. It's, I just it's assumed it was L.A. But no, that's some wild shit, man. Um, but yeah, I'm sure more developments will come out. It's not the last we're going to talk about this. R. Kelly will do some more dumb shit, and we'll be talking about it again next week. For now, though, let's talk boxing because you are in Dallas. Fought like shoulder to shoulder with Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia. You're seeing them. You you're going with them to the weigh-ins, or did you go with them to the press conference? The press conference. I rolled with Errol to the press conference. Oh yeah, weigh-ins aren't until tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So press conference. Uh, I rolled back with Mikey Garcia, and today I was with David Benavides. Who, for those who don't know who David Benavides is, uh, people forget he's 22 years old, former WBC super middleweight champion. Kid cracks like no other. But last year he got um, hit because he did the John Jones. He did a little snort of cocaine, got caught, (laughs) 
and had to sit on the shelf and vacate his title. So I got a chance to spend some time with him today, and things got a little heated at the presser. But yes, I've been around these guys this week. For, and his uh, co-main is Jay Leon. Yeah, 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 who's probably going to douse the fire and send to hell. But that's, <laughs> all bad. that's yeah, it's that's your right. co-main event. It's, it's better than dating Black China. <laughs> he's, he's done worse in life. If this, if this is what he gets, that, that's fine. He's been through tougher times. Um, nah, so Errol Spence, what was your, your time with Errol like? Because obviously you followed him there. You get, I don't want to say like the nerves before the press conference, but a lot of people, you know, before the press conference, maybe their team is like, hey, this is what we expect. He's maybe prepping for the situation. You, you can see like he has to be in front of a lot of people. A lot of people who trash talk or getting hype. Connor always seems mad hype before the press conference. It's like he goes from being cool and normal to being antsy, jittery, and then it's just craziness that comes out of his mouth. Um, Floyd's a little bit more reserved, all this stuff. What was his, what was Errol Spence's whole vibe leading into the presser? So the title of my story that went up today is uh, The Legend of the Disturbingly Calm Boogeyman of Boxing. That's Errol Spence. It's almost scary how he's just like, there's nothing there. Right. Like, so like I get in the van and we have to go pick him up because he's late. He's at his apartment. He's getting his gear. He's got on some sweats. They got the, you know, the, the uh, strap season jackets on. But he's just like there is there. OK, there's this weird side of Errol Spence who enjoys hurting people. And I got that because we, we were talking in the you know, we were talking a little bit. And I asked him, um, when was the first time you realized that you hit hard? And he sat there for a minute. He was like, I was, fight, you know, I was in my third amateur fight in a tournament. And I hit this guy so hard, I could hear him yelling, I can't feel my legs. And he smiles. And it's the first smile he's, like, really cracked during our conversation. Because, you know, he's got them sleepy, like, droopy eyes and shit. <laughs> and, and he starts smiling. And I'm like, so you enjoyed that? And he was like, well, yeah. You know, he's got that Texas draw. So he's like, yeah, you know. That's when I realized I could crack. And I'm like, yo, you almost paralyzed a man from punching him on the chin. And he enjoyed that. So, like, coming into this fight, he's just kind of looking at it. He, looks, he doesn't look at it as another fight. Like, he knows what he's doing. He knows that, you know, no other welterweight wanted a piece of him. This little guy having his Manny Pacquiao moment, who was Mikey Garcia, is rapping on his door. And Errol has decided to answer because he recognized that this is a pay-per-view fight. And when they told him he could headline at Cowboy Stadium, he was very intrigued with the idea because he's a, he's a Dallas guy. He wanted to play for the Cowboys. So fighting Sean Porter wasn't going to be a pay-per-view fight. Keith Thurman, who Harold was very clear he does not like Keith Thurman. <laughs> like, it was weird because I asked about Terrence Crawford. He's like, no, I like Bud. I like him a lot. He was like, I think, you know, he wants to fight. I don't think he's fake. Keith Thurman, phony as hell. He was just like, he's playing a role. And I was like, oh, interesting. But he knew that Mikey's the guy, you know, that, that can get him a pay-per-view fight. And the interesting thing about it, when I asked about Mikey, you can see that he's getting annoyed because he, I guess Ellie Sekback, if anybody's watched Ellie's videos, has been with Mikey Garcia throughout his entire camp. And they've talked about how they're going to beat Errol Spence. And Errol Spence just got clearly annoyed by all this. And at the press conference, he's just like, I'm going to punish you. And... Errol doesn't ever really say that. Didn't you tell him to keep the same energy? Yeah, like he like that's what he <laughs> talked about on the on the van. I could just see him, you know, he he wants to hurt Mikey Garcia. He, he, you know, like he wanted to hurt Kell Brook. 
but he really wants to make an example out of Mikey Garcia. And Mikey's a really good fighter. But, man, this guy, you know, Errol Spence, scary, man. It's scary because it doesn't get to him. Like, we rode the entire time. It was like a 30-minute drive from his apartment to AT&T Stadium. And we got out of the car and we talked. And, you know, I took some video of him backstage. And he, he's completely unfazed by this moment. He just wants to hurt somebody. That's scary. That's a scary man right there. And on the flip side, Mikey, you being around him after the presser, everything goes down. What's the what's the feeling in that camp? Is that confidence real? Like, is he is he going into this thing and nah, I got this? Yeah, no, it's very real. And the, and the real thing about it is, is because you know I asked him because you know Robert, his older brother, who was his trainer, who was one of the best trainers in boxing, didn't want this fight at all. And I'm talking to him like Mike, Robert sitting in front of me, Mikey sitting next to me. And we're having this conversation. I was like, well, how did you finally convince Robert? He was like, I, you know, he said, I started showing him videos of Errol and the things that he doesn't do. Because I thought it was interesting. Because I was like, well, Mikey, you could have picked Keith Thurman, Sean Porter. Like, you could have picked any welterweight. Yeah. But you went after Errol Spence, who, if you really think about it, as good as Errol is, he hasn't fought a Sean Porter or a Danny Garcia like Keith Thurman did. Or he hasn't fought Danny Garcia like Sean Porter did. Errol Spence is a little unproven. And if you really talk about resumes, however, Errol passes the shit out of the eye test. Like we watched, it was like the Gennady Golovkin thing. Like you watch Errol fight and you were like, oh, he's fucking people up. Yeah. So I asked Mikey, I was like, well, so did you see a chink in his armor? He was like, no, I saw the best welterweight out there who fights like me at a bigger weight. And that's kind of what Mikey thinks, timing, speed, um, everything but the size. And he just, and Mikey's whole thing is, if I continue to fight at 130, 135, you know, even 140, I'm going to fight a bunch of guys with the exception, like, even though he thinks he beats Lomachenko, he feels like he's the favorite in all those fights. And he's like, how can you be great if you fight, keep fighting people that people think you'll win the fight, where you're the favorite in every fight? So he's daring to be great. And I commend him for that, because I was like, well, that's what Manny Pacquiao did. And the funny thing was, he said, yeah, but I didn't think of it like that when I chose this fight. But he was like, but both me and Robert Garcia picked Manny Pacquiao to beat Oscar De La Hoya. I'm like, all right, that makes sense. However, Oscar De La Hoya is not Errol Spence Jr., so <laughs> it's a completely different fight. So, yeah. It, it's, but, I mean, it, it is a win-win for him, though, right? If you look at if he goes back down, no harm, no foul. If he wins this, then he's arguably the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. At least top three. Yeah, I would say he probably is. If he wins because Terrence Crawford doesn't have an Errol Spence on his resume. No. You know, I mean, Canelo, Canelo is really fucking good on his resume at this point is leaps and bounds good. You can't even count that Mayweather fight against him. No, it's it's a fantastic resume. Canelo's up there. But if Mikey Garcia were to jump up two weight classes because he beat Robert Easter at 135, he moves to 147, he beats Errol Spence. Yeah, I think you have a legitimate argument because he's undefeated that he is the pound for pound best in the world. Errol, on the other hand, is, you know, if he beats Mikey, a lot of people say, well, you're supposed to win. The, the issue is. The reason why I go back to saying Errol wants to hurt Mikey, he wants to ruin him. This, he doesn't just want to win a fight. He wants to take stripes out of his career. And that's a dangerous thing because, yeah, you could lose a fight, but how many people have we seen lose fights and never regain form? Yeah. You, you, know, so, you get Zab Judith. Yeah, but he, like, even Zab, he didn't get ruined necessarily. Zab ruined his own career. Zab was a guy who was extraordinarily ta- talented, got caught by Kachazu because he was bullshitting. Yeah, but, but I'm if, saying, I don't think he was the same after that. 
No, but 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 again, it, you know, Zab was bullshitting most of his career and just winning fights based off of strictly talent. If you work as hard as you as Mikey works, like if Floyd Mayweather did everything he did and went in there and got washed by somebody, that really that changes your ego. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that's different. Like Zab was a guy like. Adrian Broner is not a guy that you look at and you was like, yeah, you you worked the hardest you could ever work and lost. Nobody believes that about Adrian. Nobody believes that about Zab. But if Mikey works his ass out and goes in there and gets wiped out by Errol Spence, not like one punch knockout, but like brutalized, it's it changes your life. And that's what Errol wants to do. And and I fully expect Errol to go to the body. Because if, if when you gain weight, you gain all that shit in your shoulders and your arms, your stomach remains a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You don't have a six-pack when you move up in weight like that. doesn't really happen. I fully expect Errol Spence to kill Mikey Garcia's body on Saturday night. I mean, that'd be smart because Garcia, I mean, he's tough. It's going to take a lot to stop him. I, I'm predicting in this fight, we go to that, I'm predicting a 10th round stoppage um, for Errol Spence. But that's more of like the ref stop, stepping in and stopping. I don't see Mikey really just not getting up to a 10 count, you know? Yeah, I think he's too tough. The guy is world class boxer. It's just the size is something he won't be able to overcome. Sooner or later, you just have physical limitations. It's just the nature of the beast. And Mikey is a natural 135 pound guy. To me, 140 is a big weight for Mikey. Yeah. So 135 is like where he sits. Spence, man. Errol Spence could tell me. Yo, I'm fighting Charlo at 160, and I'm like, eh, I don't know who wins that fight. Yeah, because he's, I mean, you know, he's a big dude. I, it's, it's a whole different world. Like we're, you know, we're in the the, the van together. And we're we're talking, and I'm like, I'm just kind of looking at him. He's got a sweatsuit on, and I can tell he's cutting weight, right? But then, you know, I asked him. I was like, so 154, and he was like, next year. And I was like, Dad, you answered that pretty goddamn fast. Because he wants to unify a welterweight, but come on, man, you're not unifying a welterweight this year. It's not happening. Like, I don't think there's no way you're going to get a fight with Porter, Thurman, Crawford this year. It ain't one hell of a run. No, it's just yeah, it's, it's just not happening. So if you think about moving to 54 where the Charlo is at, well, shit, Tony Harrison right now. But I mean, Mugia, those guys like I can see Errol Spence moving up. You know, he, he's he's a big 47, but it's not even just the size. It's the strength. Like, remember, Errol Spence broke Kell Brooks. Other orbital bones. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Glass Eyes himself. Yeah, so it's, 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 and Kell Brook is a good fighter, but you know, Arrow made mincemeat out of him. And they were in the same weight class. Like you could say, well, Triple G was just bigger. Arrow Spence the same size as him beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Like he that's that's and Arrow Spence is an co- extremely underrated body puncher. And I just think that's going to be the key in this fight. You take the, you take Mikey's ability to move away. And then you just kind of walk them down. It's going to be a long night. I think it'll be competitive early. I think we're going to have three, four rounds of a competitive fight. But I think once Errol starts imposing his will and, you know, if he realizes Mikey can't hurt him, he, Mikey's fucked. So, yeah, I'm picking a late stoppage. I, I agree with you that I don't think it's going to be Mikey just gets knocked out. I think either Robert steps in and saves his brother because that's the worst person you can have in your corner when you're getting the shit beat out of you is your family. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll be either Robert or the referee, but I'm putting a lot on Robert that says you can't take any more of this. Yeah, and there's no need to. Live to fight another day. So I, I can definitely see it going that way. Um, before we go, the other big news that might break before our next show, Deontay Wilder 
reportedly has a deal on the table um, from Showtime and from DAZN. He's deciding who he wants to fight. How important, obviously, I'm not going to ask you about if he takes the fucking deal, but how important is it for him to fight Anthony Joshua? If he walks away from the money, if he walks away from DAZN contract, because it's the same or relatively the same deal Triple G just took and said, I want to fight Canelo again. And it's two fights against Joshua, reportedly. How important is it for Wilder's overall legacy to fight Joshua? I mean, it's extremely important. And so, so the interesting thing here is that if he does go back to PBC, Showtime, Fox, whoever, and I, I really think um, the, the, a fight with Joshua can still get made. It doesn't have to be with the zone. Obviously, it, make it makes it easier. Yeah. But if, if the boxing public wants it, they need to have it. And I think we're at a point now where Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua are turning into Lennox Lewis and Riddick Bowe. Because if they don't fight, it's a disservice to the entire division. They have to fight. So one way or another, I think wherever Deontay ends up is going to get done. Obviously, it just seems like he'll be fighting Dominic Brazil. It seems like May 18th is the date at a network to be determined. But... There is there is opportunity for him to fight Joshua either way, um, but he has to. Like I feel like for both of them, like if Joshua doesn't fight Wilder, it's bad for him. Yeah, it just leaves a lot in the air. Yeah, so you you I mean the best have to fight the best. This is the most interesting the heavyweight division has been in decades, and if the best don't fight the best, like everybody loses. The I agree. Lose the fighters lose the fans lose. So you got you to gotta do this. So this, let's see if they do it. This is the first time in a long time where if you can become the undisputed, unified, heavyweight champion of the world, that shit means something. It means everything. Because you, like, you've, you've done gone through the gauntlet for the first time in a long time if you earn that title. It, it's yeah. a lot different than when Klitschko ran and just grabbed everything. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that's exactly what it is. So the heavyweight division is more exciting than it's been in a long time. With And, and the great thing about it is you have... Three guys in Fury, Wilder, and Joshua who have distinctly different styles. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Fury. I throw Usyk in there too if he moves up permanently to heavyweight. Oh, yeah, he's staying. Because it's a distinctly different style than all of the other guys. Because other guys are giants, and Usyk is just like a fucking hand grenade. Yeah, like Usyk, Usyk his, his, the fight announcement is coming from Usyk. Um, but and he's yeah, not he's small, thinking. right? He's like 6'3. Uh, Usyk's a little bit taller than that, but yeah, he's he'll be on the smaller end. He'll be like the Evander Holyfield type of cruiserweight. Yeah, Evander was a smaller cruiserweight, but no, that's it's a thing. It's it makes everything interesting, man. You bring you bring Usyk in the in the fold as well. I mean, you still got Luis Ortiz hanging around. You know what I'm saying? Like it's some heavy, tough outs, man. Yeah, heavyweight is a tough division. Big Baby's not an easy fight. I mean, nothing nothing is necessarily easy. You know, even like you know, if Wilder's fighting Brazil. I mean, it's not an easy fight, but it's a fight where you have to show that you can get him out of there faster than Joshua. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's going against the clock. Yeah, it's it's really yeah, it's the beat the clock challenge in WWE. Like yeah. that's exactly what it is. So, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's a good time, man. And I mean, you know, let's move on from the heavyweights. The other thing is, you know, Triple G signed with the Zone. It's a big fucking deal. Yeah. So now it, it's hey, it's a great time for boxing. I remember what. When we started our show, going back, now it's been, you know, 200 episodes or 200 plus now. I think it's 201. But when we started our show, one of our topics were, is boxing dead? And can we save boxing? And you've been adamant the whole time. No, it ain't dead, man. Yeah. I thought that shit was silly, too. I was enjoying boxing back then. But, you know, the arguments of 
you know, finally, it took seven years for Mayweather to fight Pacquiao. Can they keep doing this? Is this what killing boxing? Is boxing dead? And it opened the floodgates to getting the fights we actually want to see on time. Lo and behold. Yeah. So it's, that that fight, this four-year run has changed a lot. A lot has changed in four years. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's like what I tell people all the time. It's like when Oscar retired, people was like, boxing was dead. When Mike Tyson retired, people said boxing was dead. Yo, y'all going to say that shit all the time. But there's always <laughs> going to be somebody coming. Like yeah. there's, there, right now, there's, there's a whole gamut of talented young fighters. Like you know, like I just mentioned David Benavides. He's 22. Tiafima Lopez is 21 or 22. Devin Haney hasn't even turned 20 yet. Ryan Garcia, who, you know, Ryan Garcia is a, a super Instagram guy, but yeah. he may not be the best fighter in the world, but he, he brings eyeballs. Those Instagram I mean, videos are nice. Quick as hell. Like a cat yeah. on the mitts. So it's like you have a, so much talent in yeah. boxing right now. And Tank Davis so when he's not getting arrested. Yeah, exactly. You got you have Tank. He's 23. I mean, this this is a this is such a talented crop of fighters. We didn't even mention Shakur Stevenson. No, oh, he's an Olympian. <laughs> and Shake is, you know, he's he's getting ready to fight on the undercard of Con Crawford. So it's like for those of you who continuously try to come up with this narrative that boxing is dead, stop. It's not. It's never gonna die. Far from. There's always gonna be somebody there. Yeah, man. So that's that's boxing. We're gonna take a quick break. Come back, talk UFC real quick and pro wrestling before we get out of here. Dre's in Dallas running around, so can't take up too much of his time, but you guys stick right there. We still got more of the corner. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner promo code T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. All right, just that fast. We are back from break and we're talking UFC. Dre, not too much to talk about in the world of MMA, but the biggest headlines this week came outside of any cage, octagon, ring anywhere the MMA is held and that's because Conor McGregor was in the news again. Conor McGregor arrested in Miami not for cocaine, not for punching someone in the face, not for the gamut of things he could be arrested for. He was arrested for taking someone's phone, smashing on the ground and stomping on it. The phone obviously like every phone out now, iPhone, Samsung is over a thousand dollars which pushes it into the realm of being a felony. So Connor was arrested. Everyone treated him like he was public enemy number one, like he was Al Capone, like they just found out Connor was running a drug ring, a la like some of the greatest HBO series, in which Connor would make a great HBO villain. But it's just just saying it. We got time on his hands. But it's not. It wasn't Breaking Bad. It wasn't The Wire. It wasn't Sopranos. There was no crazy ring going on. 
Conor McGregor smashed the phone and people lost their damn mind. It was the headline on everything. Sporting News ran it. ESPN had the alerts. Yahoo. ESPN. It was on Leading Sports Center. I, I don't get it, man. It's not a big deal to me at all. No. I, there's, there's so many other things that you could look at kind of McGregor and be like, you know, the whole, there's, there's so many things you could look at. This isn't one. I mean, this is the kind but, of the equivalent of the fan yelling at Russell Westbrook the other night. Yeah. Yeah. Which you know what I'm saying? It's a cell phone, guys. Like, there's worse things he could have done. I, I don't care. The only thing that makes me, you know, now you have a much mugshot, now you can walk Becky Lynch out at WrestleMania. Yeah, let's do it. Like, now, listen, listen. now we're talking about a penitentiary. The Usos don't got that on lock no more. You All got right. the Irish penitentiary. That's the route you have to go. So, I don't care. Ultimately, I, I don't give a shit. Like, come on, guys. So, I don't care. It's news. Yes, it's newsworthy because of the person who did it. Not necessarily for the crime. Yeah, and if I would venture, if a normal person did this, they wouldn't get arrested. Citation, something else. I, I think it being Conor McGregor and... Police station could say what they want. I mean, I work in news every day. I understand. I've been around police and different departments and everything. They like publicity as much as the next thing. When you can arrest a star or a superstar, that, that is a kudos and a stripe to them. So it's the same. You know, Conor McGregor does anything that's arrestworthy. They'll, you know, take him in. And it was a whole bunch of nothing. When I saw Conor McGregor arrested, I was like, oh, fuck. Some of these internet rumors are true. And then I looked and I was like, cell phone, get the fuck out of here. Like, it's, it's, it's nothing. So it, that was the story in MMA, though, because that was talked about more than UFC Wichita, which had JDS knocking out, technical knockout over Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis comes out and says that he was hurt heading into the fight, but he refused to pull out. Which is smart. You know what? There's only so many USC paychecks. I wouldn't pull out either. I'd rather take a loss than eat the money and not fight. So he went in there. You know, JDS um, worked him over for two rounds. But Derek Lewis landed a couple punches himself. So the shit could have been one of those where he lands a knockout, escapes, and tells the world that he was injured. So go either way. That was really the only fight worthy of talking about on this card, in my opinion. Um... No, there was another fight, to the, the, the co-main event with uh, Curtis Millens there and Ezequiel uh, Dos Santos, because that kid, that kid is scary. The kid Dos Santos, as a welterweight, people need to start paying attention to him. But Junior Dos Santos, on the other hand, uh, he's, you know, he's just put himself back into near title contention in a relatively thin division. Look, man, Derek Lewis, he's a good fighter, but he's like a Dominic Brazil. <laughs> it's like he showed up, he got his title shot. Derek Lewis... He's fun to watch. He's had some comeback wins. I didn't expect him to get knocked out the way he did, but whatever. Yeah. Darius did have a submission. Well, yeah, that happened. Which I did not expect. Outside of that, it was like, eh, okay. I came for a heavyweight knockout. I got a heavyweight stoppage. I'm good with that. This weekend, UFC London is the card um, over the pond, headlined by Darren Till. And he's still in position. I mean, you know, the UFC showed that they're still behind this kid. And they, they built him up. Woodley stopped that momentum to dead stop. But, I mean, he, he's far from dropping down the ladder. He gets another chance to prove he belongs in the top five, top three 
of this weight class. Uh, the fights I figure we'll talk about, though, we'll start with Vulcan Ozdemir versus Dominic Reyes. Oh, I Reyes mean, undefeated coming into this fight. I, I'm not sure what Ozdemir had. Ozdemir has that had that amazing run, right? Cormier kind of stopped him in his tracks, and I'm not sure if he gets back to that level. Something seems no. off. No, dude, Derek Reyes is the real. I mean, Dominic Reyes is real deal. He's, he's one of like three guys who are up and coming in that division, in that division specifically, who are scary. Yeah, Dominic Reyes and Johnny Walker are the two guys that everybody's tend to focus on. But Dominic Reyes is a, uh, I mean, he's just he's too good. And this is a true test. You know, Volkan Ozdemir is a guy. Yes, he had his title shot. Um, he ran through a bunch of guys, including OSP and Misha Serkinov and Jimmy Manawa, and then he ran into Daniel Cormier and Anthony Smith. So. It's, it's Dominic Reyes' time, man. It's like he's a fight or two away from a title shot. And John Jones seems like he wants to defend that light heavyweight title a few more times. So Everyone's think, a shot or two away from a title shot. Yeah, which is true. I just think you know it's easy for a guy like Dominic Reyes, even though people will say it's too soon. But when the division is this thin, you have to move guys pretty quickly. Like Nobody wants to see OSP versus John Jones or Ozdemir or any of those guys. Reyes needs to win this fight. He probably will. I think he might finish Ozdemir. I'm going to say the same thing. I think it goes the distance three rounds, but I think he beats Ozdemir. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a knockout, though. Volkan, he just he hasn't seemed right, like I said. So it doesn't surprise me if there's a stoppage. Reyes is a beast. Maybe, you know, Ozdemir shocks us both, but I, I don't see it. I think this is a great platform for Reyes to win and become a top five heavyweight, or light heavyweight, excuse me, just that fast. So I, that'll be a good fight to watch. Uh, Leon Edwards versus Gunny Nelson. Uh, yeah, another guy. I think Gunny's hit a stride, man. He's funny. He put out that video, like the workout. <laughs> yeah. uh, Suzanne Summers time joint. He, he's hilarious. But in, in the octagon, too, I think he, he's found something. So I'm picking him to win. I'm not. I'm Ooh. picking Leon Edwards. Oh. I mean, dude, look. look Gunny, Gunny's lost to Ponzinibbio. He's lost to Damian Maya, who completely out just him. Um, a lot Leon of people Edwards. lose to Damian Maia and Jiu-Jitsu yeah. match. But Leon Edwards, you know the last guy Leon Edwards lost to? The current no. welterweight champion, Kamaru Usman. Oh, okay. That's it. I mean, you know, I think he lost another fight. I think he lost his UFC debut as yeah, well. let's see. He beat Cerrone. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's about it. He's won yeah. a lot in a row. He's... Leon Edwards is he's a really talented guy, a really solid wrestler. Um He lost to Seth. No, no, he beat Seth by yep. Usman was his only one in twenty fifteen. Yeah. And it, you know, he just got out wrestled by I mean, we've seen what Kamara Usman can do. So Claudio Silva is the other one who beat Who him. is also featured on this card who nobody's even paying attention to. But he's the other guy who beat uh Leon Edwards recently. But I I like Leon, man. I you know, he's another UK guy. This is an interesting fight between two guys from overseas. Um, but I, I like Leon Edwards, man. I think he's he's closing in. I wouldn't necessarily say a title shot uh, this year, but he's moving up in the ranks. And maybe if he's dominant over Gunnar Nelson, he puts himself in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they have some mixing around to do in that division. You look at a guy like Wonderboy, who's kind of stagnant. You have, um, you know, Till, who still has a win over Wonderboy, even though it was questionable. If he wins his fight, he needs new blood. So... Um, it, it's going to be interesting. Usman is hurt. Just yep. had surgery. Woodley says he's as fresh as ever. So who knows if he doesn't take a fight. 
in the meantime. So a lot of these guys climbing through the ranks are going to have their opportunities. Uh, welterweight main event, Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal. I'll give Till the victory. We I touched on it a little bit before, but I still think he's in his top three in the division. Yeah, I mean, dude, Darren Till is still a monster at welterweight. Uh, I don't know how his weight cut is going. I was about to say, I think he goes up soon. He might have to. But Masvidal, the thing about Masvidal is he's he's really tough to beat. Even though his record is 32 and 13, you look at some of the guys he's lost to, and this guy is maybe is the second master of the split decision. Like, like <laughs> Badu Jack in boxing is like the king of draws in like split decisions. But if you look at Masvidal, the only loss that he had was, I don't think he's ever been stopped, first of all. Um, no, he has. Dude, he got stopped by Toby Amada in Bellator, the inverted triangle that made highlight reels everywhere. Um, <laughs> that was the last time he got stopped, and that was like a decade ago. Yeah, but he that, loses a lot of de- decisions. But, he, but they're, they're all split decisions. Maya, Larkin, Henderson, Ayakinto. Look uh, at this. Unanimous decision to Wonderboy. Well, I mean, it's Wonderboy. And yeah, Wonderboy yeah, yeah. you're not going to outpoint Wonderboy. Yeah. But I, so I think this is a true test for, for Darren Till's conditioning because I don't think he gets Masvidal out there quickly. He's in for the long haul. It's a five-round fight, and Masvidal's going to keep coming. So all that being said, I think Till wins, but I think this is a very tough fight for him. And it's going to really test whether he's going to stay at welterweight or he needs to move up. Because that gas is going to be in question. Masvidal has some good wins under his resume, though. Kiesa, Means, Kraus. Crookshanks, Healy, they didn't give him an easy start at all. No, look, Masvidal, he could, if the chips fell right, he could make a Robbie Lawler type of run. Yeah, man. Allen Berger, Cerrone, he has good wins. Yeah, he's beat great guys. He's got, you know, he has a record that looks like, oh, he's okay. But no, he's a, he's pretty fucking good. He's pretty good. And he keeps growing his hair out. I don't know how long he's going to about to look Oh, Mexican. yeah. Nah, he's Mexican Jesus right now. I'm loving it. Yeah. So <laughs> he, talk, he likes to talk his shit. So he's fun to watch. Masvidal beats Darren Till. Things get interesting in welterweight. Darren Till wins. It's just like, oh, well, you're yeah. still kind of like outside of a title shot. But I'm picking Till to win. But Well, Masvidal now it's open. Again, yeah. with Woodley out of the picture, the title picture now opens up. Because even oh, if I mean, you lost before, then you, you can still get your title shot. Yeah, obviously. I mean, Ben Askren still—he's lurking now. You oh, know, what I'm saying true. like it, it. I feel like Ben Askren might have to be next for Till. The winner of that is damn near number one contender. Yeah, I mean, you know, Askren just needs to convince Dana White that he doesn't want to fight Robbie Lawler again. He's got to do that first. Yeah, there's but, no reason for that. <laughs> <Let's>, you know, <laughs> just talk shit to someone else. That's it. Just keep talking shit. Uh, you know, he's out there this week. In flip flops. In flip flops. I'm sure he's gonna be talking mad shit if Till wins. Just hype it up, and they have to keep fielding these UK UFCs. There's plenty planned for this year. So parade Till out there again and say, you know what, I'll go there to fight him. So, man, yeah, but that's, that's how you get away from Robbie Lawler because he wants none of that noise again. That angle slam is no joke. Yeah. Um, turn the page right now to pro wrestling. Real quick, New Japan Cup is going on. Have you caught up or have you been off the grid? No, I've, I've caught up. I've, I've had a chance to watch. Okay, so um, I thought, once again, I, I think it's a good tournament, but I feel like three, maybe four matches have stuck out to me so far. So I'm not, like, overly invested how I thought I would be in this tournament. 
but we've had good matchups, but I feel like it's just now starting to heat up. If you guys aren't caught up, I'm sorry, get New Japan World. It's a quick watch. Just skip to the tournament matches. Um, but I like your guy, Ishii, versus Yoshihashi coming up. Yoshihashi's gotten further than I thought he would. Yeah, he won a match. <laughs> so, I mean... Two. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, two. Um, yeah, uh, he beat Chase Owens last time, who I'm surprised beat Juice Robinson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the New Japan Cup is, is, I mean, I didn't expect anything in the first round to be amazing aside from Ibushi and Naito, which was fucking great. But uh, it's, it's a fun tournament, man. I just still, still think Ibushi's going to win this thing. Yeah. Like, I, I don't see anybody beating him. Okada, Mikey Nichols was pretty fun. Yeah. NXT cast off. Um, and then Osprey, obviously, has been trucking along through the tournament. So we get Okada Osprey next in that matchup with the winner going against Ishii versus Yoshihashi. I I think Osprey goes all the way. I think he beats Okada. Yeah. At least look, to the finals. He can get that far. I just don't see anybody beating Kota Ibushi. I just don't see it happening. No. I think Kota beats Jay Zach. White- yeah, dude, I think Kota Ibushi and Jay White is the match to make at the Garden that people will be invested in. No, I like it, man. I like it. That, But then you look like Kota Ibushi, one, he has to win this. So I can't. The road they gave him on this bracket, Naito, then Zack Sabre Jr., then you probably have to face the ace in Tanahashi, and then go to a finals, which I think you'll have to face Osprey at the... Worst case scenario, he has to face Okada. Yeah. That's one hell of a run through a tournament to get to a place where then you go to MSG. Dude. So, so, I mean, that's, that's great matches all throughout. So he's definitely set up in this bracket to be a star because every one of these guys is going to get the best out of. And they're all different matchups, all different types of matches. Yeah, and it's a way for Kota Ibushi to lose. And people be like, ah, he went through hell in the tournament. Yeah, and it drained him. The tournament drained him. Yep, that, that's that's a way for Jay White to win over a guy who beat a bunch of names, but there's, there's a built-in defense of Kota Ibushi losing that says, well, shit, look who he wrestled before he got to Jay White. Jay White was fresh. The only so, thing I don't like, though, is you usually don't win G1 and New Japan Cup same year. No. So it takes him out of G1, which I was hoping he won G1 this year. Yeah, probably takes him out. Hey, like, dude, I have no idea who's winning G1. No, that's way too early, but we got to go to the Dallas one. Talking about Dallas. Yeah, I'm considering it. But, you know, considering like, it, right, your, your job is going to send you. I don't even know why I'm asking you. Like, you act like you're going to not be not be there. Yeah, I'll probably be there. But if I, if yeah, if It I could be UFC somebody, week, though. I don't care. Um, <laughs> if if I had to over. pick somebody right now for G1, I would say it's Naito, though. Okay. I feel like it's about time, right? Like, I feel like it's kind of, it's, it's gone away. Like, you remember your blood was boiling last year when he lost to Okada? It was heated. So I feel like it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of cooled off a little bit. In I was about to say, they cooled him down a lot. He's still the IC champ. He's still the IC champ. He lost to Kota Ibushi in the, in the best match of the tournament thus far. And if he has a great Z1 run, he's right there. Because Los and Cognables de Japón is still like the top faction. So... He can make that run. But we got some time. We'll see how these things shake out. Yeah, man. But I've enjoyed this. Um, Suzuki versus Sonata is coming up, too. That's going to be a good match. 
That should be really good. Should be really. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in the world of WWE, just a few things to touch on. Uh, Ronda Rousey, full heel. Yeah. Same fuck the crowd, all this stuff. It was okay. She still it was too wordy. I mean, for me, like I, I want her yeah. to say less. That's it. Just say less. Four words. Scowl. Beat the shit out of people. Like Dana yeah. Brooke. You're absolutely right. I mean, the Dana Brooke thing was weird, but you know, like, we're, like it, I look at it like, okay, we're here now, so fuck it. Like, it could have been better. Like this entire Ronda, Charlotte, Becky thing, there could have been things that it could have been handled better. But we're here now, and it seems like it's going to be the main event. I can't, I can't see a scenario where this match is not the main event. If you're going to run with women in the main event of WrestleMania, you have to do it now. Yeah, Kofi made a strong push. For the first, like, black champion since The Rock. Yeah, but see, like, so the, here's the danger in Kofi. And it's not even about him. It's about the crowd. I think if Kofi, because, I mean, look, guys, he's going to be in this gauntlet match. He's going to fucking win. He's going to be a WrestleMania. Let's, get, let's get, skip yeah. ahead. Yeah. Kofi's not losing this gauntlet. No. And if he does. I'm kind of mad he has to beat Samoa Joe during this gauntlet match, but whatever. Yeah. But. If Kofi's going to win the title, it needs to be early at WrestleMania. Very early. Oh, I thought, I, I was thinking he opens it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, it's, it's, it's become a program that was pushed by the fans, and the fans are truly behind Kofi. But you don't want to give a Kofi-Daniel Bryan match. Like, you remember the Royal Rumble, how burnt out the fans were when we got to AJ Styles versus Daniel yeah. Bryan. And I rewatched that. That wasn't a bad match. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't necessarily all that great either. It but was if you come in, yeah, if if you come in hot with Kofi and Daniel Bryan, you're fine. Like, and you always have those stupid battle royals to cool stuff off. Yeah, like you can find a way, but you like you want to get in as early as possible because it's a full time shift. We're about to be there for WrestleMania. Yeah, right. That's the danger of Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte closing the show. But the nostalgia of it all will probably get us to power through. Yeah. Whereas with Kofi and Daniel Bryan, I don't know where Kevin Owens fits in all this. How but great would intermissions be? Like first act, second act, third act. Like if they just gave us 20 minutes to catch our breaths. Use the bathroom, get some snacks, get a drink, come back refreshed, act two. I, I just don't want WrestleMania to be so long. But, I mean, like, at this point, that's where we are, Jay. The, the rosters are stacked. There's some people still can't get on Mania. It's nine hours. I know, but it's... Damn, damn. Like, that's why I said, that's why I said last week. Triple H and Batista happening just makes the show longer. Kurt Angle gets a retirement match. The it's, Miz it's and, uh, and Shane get a match. We still have Orton versus Styles. There are four non-title matches. Yeah, I mean, look, man. And 10 championships to be defended because the cruisers I, are on there too. There, there's so much going on. I'm not mad how we got to Shane and Miz. They threw the swerve at us with Shane turning on Miz. Not mad at it at all. No. So I'm interested in that match. That match will be somewhere in the middle of the card. Um, the Usos, will, maybe they'll, they'll face them all. Maybe they'll end up facing the Hardys. I don't know what the fuck is going on. But maybe that match happens early. I just, I just don't know. Like The pacing of the show is going to be a problem. Because WrestleMania is so goddamn long and every match can't be good because for whatever reason, it's not like Wrestle Kingdom goes, all right, it's getting better. It's getting better. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. These are the best matches ever. That's yeah. how Wrestle Kingdom goes. It builds towards greatness. WrestleMania, on the hand, goes, holy shit, great match. This match sucks. This match is okay. This match sucks. This is great. This, <laughs> then, then you're tired by the time you get yeah. to the end. 
But that's what's, it's so weird because it goes anti-sports, right? Like it's all sports usually built, especially combat sports. You have your co-main, your main, you, you, you place these things in order and you try to guess which ones are the best fights. And that's why you stack the cards that way. WWE just throw their best match out first. What was it? AJ Styles one year had the best match. It was first match that night. Yeah, it's just WrestleMania is too goddamn long. Fastlane was an interesting pay-per-view because it felt like I was watching Monday Night. <laughs> it was good matches though. Weird booking. Like there was, was way too lot. much, way too much story for a pay-per-view. Yeah, like it was a lot, and I, and like I keep saying, I hate that pay-per-view. It feels so unnecessary. But damn, like every match was like, oh man, is Mandy Rose gonna turn on Sonya Deville? Like. What, like it was what I was literally watching Nitro from 1997. You would think they didn't have five hours of television every week to tell these stories. Yeah, it's like to cram it in there, but it is what it is. Um, Good, I, I will decent matches, credit, though. I will give credit to credit is due to AJ Styles and Randy Orton for their promo on SmackDown this week. Really good. That was very well done. Uh, saying that he stole the diamond cutter was great. Uh, talking about the indie wrestlers that surround Randy Orton, they've handled that well. Now, Randy, you have to deliver. That's all I'm asking. Please. That's it. Yeah, just deliver. show up because he can still go when he wants to. Yeah, and that's so. all we're waiting for, when he wants to. Um, can, what else is there? Rollins. Shelton Benjamin came out. I thought that was dope. Yeah, and, it, and the good thing about that is, obviously, you know, Shelton and Brock wrestled together. So yep. it's like, you know, a nice little sliver in there of some insider stuff like and Shelton, like, look, man, Shelton's probably one. Shelton is Kofi. How about that? <laughs> he never really got the due that he no. deserved. But Shelton was the guy at every Money in the Bank ladder match. He was, you knew you were getting the old shit out of him. That's what Kofi turned into in the Royal Rumble. Shelton could get a great match out of damn near everybody because everybody remembers Shelton Benjamin versus Shawn Michaels on Raw. I think he's voted the best Raw match of all time. It was really good. I don't know if it was the best ever. That super but, kick was ill. Yeah, super kick was crazy. But like Shelton, is he, Shelton is big as hell now too. Not fat. Like he's no, yeah, he's yoked big. up. Yeah, he's but, like uh, I saw an old school picture of him and Brock when they were teaming. And uh, yeah, what was that? FSW some shit. I, I don't know whichever one. But all that to say, in Florida. But he was huge then. He's that big now. Yeah, all I have to say is that Rollins versus um, Shelton Benjamin was good. I wish Shelton would have got his opportunity to title. He never really did. But um, yet and still, I just I don't care about Rollins and Lesnar right now. I just I don't. Maybe I almost forgot Brock it. is never on television. Yeah, I mean that, which is very true. It's just there's so much story that I'm just like. But you like wrestling? Brock not being around all the time. I do. I, I think there is something. But that then his matches get lost. Well, this, I mean, but this in particular, when you have a 10-hour WrestleMania that's upon us, it's hard to remember everything that's going on. Like, if there was a time that you needed Brock Lesnar around a little bit more, it'd be right now. Yeah. I'm fine with the special attraction. You're not on TV every week during, like, between SummerSlam and Survivor Series. I, like, I'm fine with that. But right now, it's WrestleMania season. Kind of need you to be there, Brock. Instead, they put Rollins in the Shield match at Fastlane and... You know, it ended with the nostalgia, trip power bomb, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't further his storyline with Brock at all. No. I mean, we got a little promo between, you know, Heyman. But it's a match that I think will be good. But it, I'm just, I don't care. Like, right. I, I feel like it's going to be poorly placed on that WrestleMania card. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be dead smack in the middle. I'm going to be like, eh, hold on. 
All right, Seth won. Thank you. If Seth loses, then it's really going to be like, oh, fuck. Fuck this. I'm going to the bathroom. That's, yeah. that's how I feel about that match. Um, NXT. Have you seen last night's episode? Yes, I did. You were busy. Okay, good. So, it has been explained, Dre. And I told you, in Trips We Trust, he was going to make up for the call-ups, the rush decision, and we get the seven-month-long storyline of Gargano back and forth, and it turns out Gargano set up Ciampa all along for the revenge turn that we saw last night. Yeah, but it still doesn't explain why all these guys were called up. No, but it explains why they were a tag team when they went up. Gargano was setting them up, getting cozy to his mortal enemy, just waiting for the opportunity to turn and stab him in the back like he was once stabbed in the back. Yes, but here's my counter. If Gar- Ciampa didn't get hurt, where was that match happening? Takeover. Takeover. They're, not I told you, they're all going to be on Takeover. I'm not guaranteed if any of them are Mania. But why are they on the main roster? I, Dre, I couldn't, to get people to watch <laughs> every, I don't know. I, that I can't like, explain. There's no reason. Why they're beating the, the best teams on the main roster. No, there's no reason for this. Why is Aleister Black and Ricochet a thing? Why are they a tag team? Because the Superstar Shakeup so isn't here yet. They all should have just been called up during the Shakeup. That, but that's what I'm saying. Like it's been completely pointless. Like if Ciampa didn't get hurt, we would get Ciampa Gargano would take over, in what I, I would have hoped would have been a hell in the cell match. Because I've been saying this since day one. It would be the perfect way to end their feud. But it was always going to be a takeover. What the fuck are we doing on the main roster? There's no reason for them to be there. If Ricochet and Alistair Black, I don't read ahead to the spoilers. If they end up winning this tournament, which I hope they do, because nobody gives a shit about the Forgotten Sons. No one cares about Forgotten Sons. They're going to be wrestling War Machine at Takeover. Why are they competing on the main roster? It doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. <laughs> I don't because Vince wanted to get some headlines, I guess. I, I don't know. I feel like it was a crapshoot. And then now the Chompa injury throws, you know, a wrench into things. But I, once again, I like it. I want these guys to clear out a division. I want new storylines, new contenders. It seems like we're going towards a Matt Riddle Velveteen dream match, which is going to be so good. Um and then yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if Keith Lee still has a spot against Donovan Dijak. So, I mean, we got some shaking out to do with the next. Yeah, game. we we got to see. I mean, it's either going to be that match or it's going to be uh, Pete Dunn versus Walter. Well, that's. I mean, look. I don't give like the rest of the card could not happen. Everybody. <laughs> Walter and Pete Dunne are wrestling. I'm there. I, I don't care. Yeah, I want to see it because I'm never going to the UK to see it. So I, I need this. Yeah. Need this at Mania. I didn't get a chance to see Walter live at PWG. I haven't been to a PWG show in a while when he was had his run of champ. I watched him and Keith Lee destroy each other in PWG on, like, on tapes and shit. But, you know, Walter and Pete Dunne is not a match that we're going to see in the States. So I'm, that, that's all I care about right now. Like, everything else would be great. I'm not saying NXT TakeOver is not going to be good. I just don't care if it's good or not because I know what I want to see. That is the one match. And, I, and this week, and WrestleMania week is going to have some great matches. As we get closer, we're going to start talking about a lot more that's going on. Like, there's the RVD Sabu match against the uh, uh, Pentagon in Phoenix that's mm-hmm. on the Impact, which is going to be amazing. Crazy. Like. There's so many great matches, but that Walter and Pete Dunn match, like if NXT does it right, those two guys are going to fucking murder each other. 
I'm going to love every minute of it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be nuts. So, I mean, I can't wait for that week. We have Wale Mania the Thursday before, Woo. which the oh. lineup is stacked. Shout out to everyone at Rassle Rap, Kaz, Emilio. That's going to be dope. I'm being in the building. i got to weasel my way in there. Don't um, worry. Dre, I got you. Dre's going to be there. It's going to be madness from the minute we touch down in New York. Three weeks away, though. So you better rest up now. Enjoy Dallas because New York's going to be a real zoo when we touch down. Um, that's our show for today, though, Dre. You go back to work writing these articles, doing these interviews. You guys make sure that you follow us on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Support the show via Patreon at the corner podcast man great episode last week fan appreciation episode patreon members came through corner club fan was in the building i had a blast doing that show love that we'll do it monthly now also getting dope guests good interviews a lot of cool original content up there um man can't wait a ton of stuff for mania weekend that i'll be posting up there little videos of us going around town watching shows yes i'm a creepily filmed dre like we're in the real world house and put it up on the <laughs> patreon so uh, he's antisocial, but I'm making him do it. So it's going to be really, really great that week. If you guys are at NYC, hit us up. You know, we got to catch some drinks, get some food, Corner Club fam. We got to make sure our presence is known and we get to chill while we're all out there. Till next week, though, we're out. Peace. Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit. Even on evenings and weekends, you can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details.